So you've come here for the truth. Well, we've got the truth and nothing but the truth. Here are your hosts, Robert A. Bianchi and David J. Bruno. Welcome to WMTR's Nothing But The Truth. I'm your host, Dave Bruno. I'm flying solo again. Bob, uh, the president of the Order and Sons and Daughters of Italy, is down in Florida for the convention. And we just keep it going here on Nothing But The Truth, delivering value and getting into the stories of some uh, high-level, accomplished, successful people. And we're lucky to have Alex Gans here today. Alex is a highly motivated professional with a diverse background in recruiting, franchise consulting, strategic business partnerships, and entrepreneurship. With over 12 years of experience in business development, sales, and leadership, Alex has made significant contributions to global entities and multiple startups in the recruitment, technology, and product development and Web3 space. Uh, Alex and I, we met at a, at a networking event. Um, we had some time together to talk amongst some of our friends with like-minded goals. And, and I'll tell you what, man, one of, one of the better dinners I've had with you guys, we had fun. And really just talking about all of the successes. And, and one of the things that we're going to get into is uh, the program 75 Hard, which is a, a physical, mental program that has a criteria to basically you know work on your diet, no cheat meals, two workouts a day, staying off the alcohol. And I know, Alex, that was a, a memorable and transformative program that you did. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But Alex, if you could, for my audience, please just generally introduce yourself uh, to the to the crew. Cool. Yeah, thanks for having me, David. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so as you mentioned, my name is Alex Gann. So I kind of consider myself a corporate professional, uh, but slash entrepreneur in the sense that I do a little bit of everything where I work full time in the recruitment industry. Uh, I lead a team and recruit primarily in the engineering manufacturing space, helping candidates and clients uh, secure new business opportunities, new jobs, everything as such. And then I also am a participant in a few different startups, uh, one in the Web3 space as well. Uh, we're building actually a dating application, which is really exciting as it's almost completed. And then also in product development, which we're actually coming out with a color-changing phone case and color-changing nails um, that will all be controlled through an app. So I guess you could say I like to keep pretty busy. Oh, sure. I mean, with the technology, I mean, there's so much growth going on. You mentioned Web3, too. I mean, to, for those that don't know, give us a little background on what in the world Web3 is. Yeah, so Web3 is essentially the next generation of the, the internet in some extent, right? So everything right now is pretty much Web2. Web3 will give you the opportunity to uh, pretty much utilize the blockchain, which everything is going to be able to be stored there. So what we're doing with the dating app is, you know, everything is going to be uh, through a what's called KYC process, where you're going to be able to verify who this person is that you're working with. And that's all going to be done through Web3 technology, um, not who you're working with, excuse me, but who you're actually dating and meeting to really avoid the catfishing and avoid some of the stuff that you see as a common issue in the space. Um, and what's nice about it, too, is everything is verifiable, right? So you can go back to the blockchain and you can see, you know, what was done when and, and where. So um, that's a pretty high level, um, just kind of layman's term, if you will, but it's very exciting. And there's actually people already developing a web five, which is kind of crazy to think. Yeah, sure. And the conversation also includes cryptocurrency, right? I mean, with the Bitcoin and the Ethereum and things like that, you know, Alex, before we get into your background a little bit more, I wonder, you know, in light of the FTX and the Sam Bankman-Fried allegations, 
I think consumer confidence has has really come down off the Web3 stuff. I mean, you're in the space. How do you feel about that? And and what's, what do you think about the consumer response or confidence coming down in light of some of these uh, big profile, high profile cases? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the one thing to differentiate yourself is with crypto and, and with blockchain technology, there are two different things in that sense where crypto is, you know, a form of currency can be considered a security. And that's the biggest, you know, right now topic of conversation. Whereas blockchain is a type of technology that really is going to be here for the for the near future and forever. Um, it's where we're going to start to operate, you know, sooner rather than later. And so I think from the standpoint of what we're doing, it really doesn't have anything to do in the sense of the crypto side of things, um, because we're not going to really have any value exchange in that in that sense. Um, but we are going to be uh, just really utilizing the technology that it has to offer, which, you know, users on their own data. Um, I mean, there's just so many different things. But as of right now, it is a sensitive topic just because of everything that's going on. So the common user really doesn't know the difference. So they, they really lump some of it as, as, as one, right? So yeah. um, it's, it's definitely an interesting time. So I think that's where projects like we're doing is trying to differentiate ourselves and really show that, you know, what we're doing has nothing to do with uh, cryptocurrency. Yeah, without a doubt. So take a couple steps back. I mean, tell me about your education. Um, high school going into college, what were you studying and what did you envision your later life would be back then? Yeah, so, you know, as a kid growing up, I was always a little entrepreneur getting into getting into things and doing different things. And, you know, my mom would buy me a bag of lollipops. I would sell them at school in middle school and get in trouble for that. And then, you know, recycling cans. So I really found this niche, if you will, of just being that kind of an entrepreneur at a very young age. Um, so going into school, I was never the best, uh, I guess, uh, school participant, if you will. I was, I was had a hard time focusing, um, had a hard time really just paying attention to things that I wasn't interested in. Um, so after high school, you know, I went to military school in ninth grade. Um, I remember my parents having that conversation at the kitchen table when I was in eighth grade, like, we got to do something with them. So uh, Army Navy Academy in Carlsbad was uh, the place for me. It was an all-boys boarding school. So I uh, threw a tantrum uh, to, you know, once I heard that, but once I went there, it was probably one of the best experiences I've ever experienced. Um, just having that ability to work and live with really folks your age uh, at the time, which luckily I wasn't the youngest as a freshman. I was, uh, uh, they had middle school there too, but um, we lived there pretty much five days a week. We were able to go home on the weekends after the first couple months and it was a really good experience. Um, sophomore year, decided to try uh, school locally. That didn't work out well, so back to military school we go. Um, and then uh, junior, senior year, I went to a private Catholic school because my parents missed me. Um, and then, you know, it came down to a point where I was never really going to get into a big school. Um, my dad was like, look, I'll pay for you to get to any college you want. You just got to get in, which uh, I was like, well, that's probably not going to happen. So um, I just started doing different things, uh, different sales roles, got into, um, I worked everywhere from Subway. Um, and then I worked at washing cars at Porsche of San Diego, where I'm originally from. And uh, funny enough, I walked into the general manager's door the first day I started and was like, I'm going to sell cars here one day. And he's like, all right, kid, like grab some manuals, like go back to the, you know, back of the, the dealership and go wash cars. Um, and, uh, you know, fast forward three years later, I was the youngest salesperson there. So that's kind of how my, you know, early on into, uh, the corporate world or entrepreneurship as well started. 
And what drew you to sales? I mean, any, anything specific? And, and I guess maybe you had the qualities and characteristics that meshed well into the industry? Yeah, so I've been called a social butterfly many times and uh, someone who doesn't shut up at times as well. So I think, all right, I got the gift of gab. Um, so I figure, where can I make a lot of money? Because I always envisioned a really good life and you know, doing things that most people wouldn't want to do or could ever dream of. So I said, all right, how can I get there? And sales is really one of the ways, you know, if, you know, unless you're a lawyer, you know, really strong engineer, a doctor, the only way you're really else going to get there is, is through sales, right? So, um, or business ownership, which is sales at the end of the day. So, yeah. um, you know, that's really what drew me to sales was just the opportunity and how many other opportunities you can move into, um, from just being really good at it. Yeah, sales. I mean, I talk about the parts of the business regularly and, and sales is in everything, really. I mean, you need to be able to make the phones ring, get the leads. You need to have sales lined up to convert. And then you, you need operations to do whatever it is. It could be a law office. It could be a dental office, a medical office, a construction company, a recruiting firm, whatever it is, leads, sales, and operations. Um, what about the other stuff with marketing? You know, I'm a marketing guy. I love marketing. I love landing pages and eBooks and things like that. Do you ever have any interest into that area? So when I was doing my franchise consulting, it was an aspect that I had to learn how to do because it was very self-employed. I didn't have a team. I didn't have the resources that I do, you know, like in my recruitment role. So I did have to create landing pages. I had to create drip campaigns. I had to create marketing uh, campaigns. Um, you know, I had to figure out ways to be creative, social media, uh, different things as such. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm the best at it or it's my number one thing that I enjoy doing, but you know, it is an aspect that is important because sales and marketing go, you know, hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, you can't do it all. I mean, that's, that's the definition of insanity is that one person thinking they could handle all three does not work. I mean, we've learned that personally at this business through COVID and our expansion has allowed us to delegate. But to your point, I think, I think the, the foundational knowledge to each part of the business is essential, not only to, to understand, but it's not just a blind delegate. I mean, we talk about delegation frequently. Um, delegating is important. Blind delegation is very, very dangerous. You could be taken advantage of. You don't know what the performance indicators are, how to follow up, and how to, how to go after it. So, I mean, what, what, do, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's a great point. I mean, delegation is hard for me sometimes because I am somewhat of a control freak, and um, I feel like no one else is going to do it as good as I will. And that comes from candidate management. And the re my recruitment role is a perfect example. We do a lot of splits where we work 50-50. I work with a client, they work with a candidate, and I'm just like, did you ask this? Did you ask this? What's this? Da, da, da. So it's, uh, it's a part, I think, of, of learning how to be a leader and learning how to remove yourself from, from situations that are going to, and, and trusting in people. I think entrusting in people is super important um, and making sure that your expectations align with, with one another. Otherwise, you know, you will have that issue. But I would agree that I think delegation is super important. Um, giving people to empower them, to allow them to make those decisions, you know, even though it might be hard for you to, to, you know, take your, uh, your hand off everything. Right. Yeah. Great stuff. We're going to get into a lot more after the break, but believe it or not, we're halfway done already. We're going into the commercial, nothing but the truth on WMTR. I'm Dave Bruno with Alex Glantz, and we're going to be back after the commercial break. We'll see you then.
At the Bianchi Law Group, our team of former prosecutors and certified criminal trial attorneys specialize in criminal defense and domestic violence cases. When you need a law firm with courage, compassion, and the commitment to fight for you, call the Bianchi Law Group today. And we're back on WMTR. This is Nothing But The Truth with your host, Dave Bruno. We're back with Alex Gans, who's really a specialist in recruiting. And I do want to get to the recruiting. But, you know, from the sales position that you had at the car dealership, did you go right into recruiting? And how do we get from point A to where we are now? Yeah, so great question. So essentially, once I worked at Porsche San Diego, I did that for a few years. Um, I then got out of the car business, went into different marketing and sales roles, actually, and um, tried a couple of things. And at the time of my life, I was in my early 20s, and I just wasn't really happy with what I was doing. So I was living in San Diego at the time. I uh, decided that I wanted to try something completely new, which if we had an hour, I'd probably be able to explain it all to you. But um, completely got into a brand new business um, that I had learned and required me to move across country believe it or not. So I was living in a nice sunny San Diego, flip flops and t-shirts. And uh, I told my dad I wanted to move to uh, Connecticut. And uh-huh. so uh, he was like, you, have you ever been to Connecticut? Have you heard of Connecticut before? You all of a sudden want to move there now? Um, and long story short, I was basically going to help take over a business that was just, there was no life in saving this thing. Like it was dead from the beginning. And my dad was driving me across country. I remember like it was yesterday and he was like, Alex, I think it's not going to work. Like, just know you always have a home if you want to come back home. And this and that. I'm like, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to figure it out. Um, and I think that's where that entrepreneur spirit kind of kicked in and really wanted to see, like, let's try to do this. So fast forward three months, it didn't work. Um, that that was uh, proven. And um, my dad calls me, he goes, so what are you going to do? And I said, well, I don't want to come home because of my ego and my pride. I don't want people to know I'm a failure. So um, I did what I did best. I got back into the car sales business. So I was living in New Hampshire for three months, moved down to Connecticut, um, moved in with my cousins and just got back on my feet and um, started selling cars actually at a location called Miller Motor Cars, where I was uh, primarily selling Maseratis and um, then moved into their bigger showroom, which we had selling Maserati, Ferrari, Bentley, all of that good stuff. So it was really fun. Um, a year and a half, you know, in the north, you know, in, in Connecticut there and um, got to drive some really cool cars, meet some really influential people like Tommy Hilfiger, Ralph Lauren, just to name a few and um, really enjoyed it and spent about a year and a half to two years there. And then I was headhunted to go work for my previous company, which is a global uh, recruitment firm. And then uh, that's spent there four years, was promoted five times, was running the office. And then I uh, came to my new firm where I'm at now. Yeah, Jotbot, right? Jotbot, yep. Yeah, tell me about it. It's a it's a pretty innovative recruiting company uh, that's doing some great things out there. Let's talk about it. Yeah, it's really interesting. So we we always pride ourselves by leading with kindness and respect. Um, you know, Heidi, who is our CEO, this isn't her first rodeo. She sold her previous company for a very successful nine figures. Uh, took a five year break, and then she started Jotbot um, on a napkin with my VP and two other co founders um, at dinner. And, uh, you know, they said, how can we, how can we build a new technology company, uh, recruitment firm? And I say that because we really focus on our technology. Uh, we incorporate AI in a lot of things that we're doing. Um, we probably were one of the first companies to incorporate AI in, um, our system that we use, our database. Um, you know, we started in October of 2018. We have over 770 recruiters in less than five years with 85%, I would say, of remote. Um, and over $350 million in lifetime revenue. So it's a really exciting time. 
Wow, this is a this is a big topic for a lot of business owners. In um in the way that we have it right now, it's tough to find employees. Not only is it tough to find good employees, but it's also tough to retain employees. So what do you think about this this market right now for workers and and what the culture is at the moment? Yeah, it's an interesting topic. I mean, so where I've really found my bread and butter was in engineering and manufacturing, primarily working with aerospace and defense clients. So um, I did a lot of the tier two, tier three suppliers that sub, you know, a lot of the big primes, the Lockheed Martins, Raytheons of the world. And what I liked about working with those types of candidates as well is they're very, uh, very focused on what they want. You know, they're very usually loyal employees. Um, so it was a little bit different. It was a bit of an anomaly. But then at Java, what makes this really unique is we can recruit with whatever industry we want. So I actually started learning tax, um, working with CPA firms, public accounting companies. And for tax, for instance, it was the first time ever you would, you would do your taxes remotely. I mean, you never would really see that. You do your taxes, you go into an office and sit down with your accountant or your CPA. Um, but here during the pandemic, they had to adapt. And so tax became a huge boom for, uh, for at least us at Jobot because we had to really adapt to the new ways of things. So, um, you know, we were, we were getting a good candidate on a Monday and on Friday, they would have two, three offers in hand like that quickly. It was moving. Um, so it became an interesting experience because a lot of CPA firms were, unfortunately, people were overinflating their compensation. You know, it was super competitive, a lot of counter offers, candidates accepting jobs, not filling up. So, it, it was an interesting period. I think now things are starting to cool down a little bit, which is good to see. But it's um, it's definitely interesting because each industry is, is unique um, based off of the economy. Sure. Yeah, look, you, you, you've been successful and, and certainly I've been watching a lot of things that you've been doing, especially the 75 Hard program. I mentioned it in the introduction. Um, Andy Frisella is, uh, is a mentor out there. And he has this program, 75 Hard. Tell us what it is and, and what it meant for you. Yeah, so 75 Hard was a really interesting time that I did that. Um, at the time, it was, I was relocating from Connecticut to Florida. Um, I was going through a, a breakup. I was going through a lot of personal things, starting a new job. So at the time, it was the best thing I could have probably ever been doing at the time. Um, and basically what it is, it's a, it's a mental uh, it's a mental challenge in that sense where it's physical yes but you basically are doing two workouts a day um at the time it was the middle of winter so working out in connecticut outside wasn't wasn't the most fun uh but you're doing two workouts a day even if one's a walk you're drinking a gallon of water no alcohol for 75 days uh you're watching your meals making sure you're eating healthy you take a picture every day a progress picture which is really cool to kind of watch yourself transition um and then i believe let me see if i'm not mistaken oh you would read 10 pages of a book every day yeah. Um, which was really something that was hard for me to do. I wasn't a big reader. Uh, I mean, I always drink a lot of water, so that was pretty easy, but just like the meal prepping, you know, not going out, that kind of stuff was, uh, was definitely new for me. Sure. And that, and that, uh, personal development area, that's really what that gets to that component right there, man. I can't say enough about the information out there. You know, anybody that follows us knows I'm a big believer in Tony, uh, Robbins and Ed Milet, Dean Graciosi, you know, what about you? You have any, any mentors, any, any content creators that you regularly follow? Yeah. So I like Jordan Peterson, I think from like a scientific, like legit, like logical perspective um dr huberman is really good 
um, Tim Grover, Motivation, Ed Milet, of course, um, Andy Frasilla, he's, he's, he's good. He's not for the faint of heart. He can be a little bit rough and raw, but I, I tend to like that more. Um, but, you know, a lot of the bigger names is, is definitely people I, I watch and also some of the other people as well, like our CEO, Heidi. I mean, I listen to a lot of the things she says and, and does, and she's a, a very successful entrepreneur. So um, it's, I, like to, I like to diversify in that sense. Yeah, awesome. Um, what about habits and rituals? I mean, is there anything that you've baked into your daily routines that help you get through your days and stay in the positive mindset? Yeah, I think um, breaking things up. Uh, you know, I like to just take my walk in the middle of the day, even though it's sometimes not ideal, but I do like to give myself some time to just get some vitamin D, go for a walk, grab a coffee, come back to it. Um, another thing is just trying to be more even even keel. So at times I'd be very like high and sometimes very low and really trying to monitor that and manage that. Um, I know myself, I'm not the most structured person. So really being structured is important to me. So writing out my schedule every single day, um, you know, holding myself accountable. If I miss something, whether it was a workout or even to send a specific email, I just look back and try to figure out why did I not do that? Like what was important at that time? So just trying to hold yourself accountable as much as you can um, is, is really how I try to focus um, you know, my day and structure. Yeah, absolutely. What about maintaining positivity? Look, there's a lot of distractions out there. Um, I, I was listening to some statistics about how often people are on social media. And it's mind blowing to me that so many people are just wrapped up into their feed and their DMs and, and it goes on and on. It could be, it could be social media. It could be fantasy football or athletics or whatever. I think there's tons of distractions out there. Have, how have you managed to get through all of this and maintain your positivity? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's hard. Uh, it is hard. There's a lot of distractions. I know I work from home five days a week. So at times it's really easy. I have three monitors and I can have, you know, one thing here, one thing here, one thing here. So it's a little distracting, but I think, um, I try to keep myself positive reading a lot of different quotes and different things and, um, watching a lot of positivity videos because I know it's easy to go down a rabbit hole and, and the world is, you know, unfortunately not the best right now. So there's a lot of negativity out there. Um, but you know, it was funny because I started posting quotes pretty often and, uh, I stopped doing it for a while and people actually messaged me. They're like, Hey, where are your quotes? Uh, like, Hey, like, you know, I like this one or where's that? And that actually kind of kicked it, kicked me off to do it again. I'm like, yeah. you know, if it's not for me, it's for other people who may not say something, but you could be impacting someone else, um, with, with some type of positive, positive message. So, yeah, that's great. So looking forward, I mean, Let's say five years from now, five years from now, where do you want to be? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, obviously family um, is important to me. Um, you know, my goal is probably move back to California for that reason, because I do, um, you know, have all my family out there. Uh, you know, I want to be in a position where I have a couple of different opportunities going on. I do enjoy recruitment, but I think the end goal for me is to just be a full-time entrepreneur, you know, running these different companies that we're a part of, or I should say that I'm a part of. And um, really trying to give back as much as possible. Sometimes I try to give back when I'm not necessarily in the position to give back as much as I can, but it's always been a, a thought process of how can I help other people um, and how can I not make it about myself and give back to other people. So, um, yeah. That's great. What's your definition of success? Um, I think happiness. You know, I, if you would have asked me five years ago, I would have said a lot of money, but I think now it's more so just being happy in who you are and confident in who you are and I think at the end of the day, you know, when you have to face, you know, reality, all you have is yourself. 
So, you know, take away everything else, the money, cars, social media, you have to be happy with who you are. And then I think as you become happy and you start to do well in different aspects, then everything else will follow. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, let's add a little bit to that. I think we're on the same page. Impact. Look at those quotes that you put out there. There are people watching us, Alex, right? And sometimes they may not be vocal about it, but I mean, I know they're watching. You know, so role model, Brandon Burchard is one of my favorites. Um, I'm a member of Growth Day. I get his daily fires. I listen to his, mo his motivational podcasts, and certainly that's something that he talks about. Being a role model, being a role model for our family, our friends, those that are watching. So I concur. Yeah, no, I think impact is a super good word for it. Um, you know, I always like to, my, my director used to tell me, he was like, when you're in a good mood, everyone knows. He goes, when you're in a bad mood, everyone knows. So, um, you know, that alone has stuck with me. And I've, I've tried to be mindful of that and making sure there's a positive impact in, in the rooms that I walk into. There you go, Alex. Well, listen, we're at the end here. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for coming on Nothing But The Truth. Where could my audience find you if they want to come uh, look at some of your quotes? Yeah, sure. So Instagram is probably the main one. It's uh, the Alex Gans. I had to verify my profile recently because there were some scammers trying to use my profile, but it's uh, the Alex Gans. Um, so you'll be able to find me there. Um, and that's basically the main social media platform that I use. Absolutely. For you guys listening, that's G-A-N-Z. Alex, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your story and your successes. And uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, man. Nice to see you again. Take care. Absolutely. And for everybody following, you guys know where the landing page is. It's nothingbutthetruthpodcast.com. We're going to be on the radio every Saturday at 1030. And then we drop the podcast and the video, nothingbutthetruthpodcast.com. And also we're in Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. So if you miss it, you can find it in those platforms. Alex, once again, thank you for sharing your story. I look forward to seeing you soon. Be well. Thanks, David. You got it. We're the Bianchi Law Group, a team of former prosecutors and certified criminal trial attorneys. But here's the thing. He put himself in a box when he said... My Relied on by CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, Law and Crime, and news leaders across the country for our criminal defense expertise. In a search warrant, you have to have probable cause that a crime's been committed and there's evidence in a particular place. When you need a law firm with courage, compassion, and the commitment to fight for you, call the Bianchi Law Group today.